Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today. We pray that this message blesses you and encourages you. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just look us up at newriverchurch.org. We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 2 this morning, and um, the title is there. It says, the, the Hope in Our Worship. I think uh, if I could edit on the fly, I would say, finding our hope in our worship, finding our hope in our worship. But let's go to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Oh, there it is. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah, where the Messiah was to be born? And they replied, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I don't know about you, but this was no ordinary star. Uh, this is different. This is better than Uber. Um, <laughs> after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and then it says... When they, saw the, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Finding hope our hope in, in the one we worship. This is, this is probably one of the most interesting parts of uh, this Christmas story, this birth narrative of Jesus um, to date for me because I, I, I had such a great time going through, combing through and researching this, this particular passage. It's, it's really awesome. And I found out some things that probably many of you already know. <laughs> but it was really interesting to see the Magi. 
in the beginning of this passage. The Magi who uh, uh, were watching this star. Who are these guys, these, these wise men? Um, we, we read about these wise men and, and you have to ask yourself, how did they know to look for this star? You know, what, what was the, the backdrop for them searching after uh, Jesus and searching by way of this star? What was the backdrop of this? And, and as, as we look into it, we recognize that these guys were probably from Babylon. They were, they were probably from an area near Iraq. This is somewhat like 600 miles away from Jerusalem. And so they, they are traveling a great distance with all of this, these precious gifts following a star. What would make them? They're, they're, not, they're not Jews. What would, what would make them be so intent upon finding out the king of the Jews? Finding, we want to see, we saw his star, we want to see him. Well, when we look back in the, uh, in the Old Testament and we look in the book of Daniel, we recognize that there was this man named Daniel who was a Jew. And when, when he was sent, when the Jews were sent into exile, Daniel was one of those who was taken into the royal court of King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he and several of his friends were groomed to be a part of this royal court. And, and, and there was a moment where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that, that disturbed him terribly. And none of his wise men could interpret the dream, primarily because he never told them the dream. He said, I want you to tell me the dream, and then I want you to interpret it. And they said, oh, no, we can't do that. That's impossible. Nobody except someone who has the wisdom of the gods could do something like this. Enter Daniel. Enter Daniel. After uh, praying hard because they were going to die, the king has said, if you guys don't tell me the dream and interpret it, all of you are dead. Daniel went to his knees. I don't know if you would go to your knees. I would go to my knees knowing that if I didn't get this dream right, I was going to die. He went to his knees and he prayed. He said, listen, you know what's going on, God. We need the interpretation. It came to him. He goes before the king. He tells the king the dream. He interprets the dream. The king is like, oh my gosh, there is no other God but the God of Daniel. And then he does something in Daniel 2, uh, verse 48. He says, you're going to be chief of, over all of the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, the magicians, all of the wise men. So Daniel is their chief. Daniel is, is, is the one who leads these wise men in Babylon. And I can't help but think that, that, that Daniel had told them stories about how God had delivered. But you know what? They didn't really need a whole bunch of stories because they saw very soon three of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not bow down to this statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected, and they said, we're not bowing down. And Nebuchadnezzar said, you got to get into this fiery furnace. You're dead because you won't worship. They said, that's all right. We'll go. And they went into the fiery furnace and they were there. And there was a fourth person that showed up. 
in that furnace, and they came out of that furnace, no smoke on their clothes, no singe, no fire, completely unharmed. The Magi had to look at what happened and say, who is this God that can deliver and save like this? Daniel had another experience where where he was worshiping God and they were trying to trick him to get him killed. And they they had gotten the king to to write an edict that said, if anybody worships a God other than you and your gods, they're dead. They found Daniel and said, look, you king, you wrote it down. Daniel's been worshiping another God. And Daniel and Daniel goes and, 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 and the king is like, have you been doing this? He's like, yeah, yeah. I worship Yahweh. And he says, well, I have to put you in, the, in the, the, the den with the lions, the lion's den, where, where before you even can hit the ground, they'll tear you to shreds because they're hungry. <laughs> and he goes and he puts him in the lion's den and they seal it up and he's there all night and the king can't sleep because he likes Daniel. But he goes and he says, Daniel, are you alive the next morning? And Daniel comes out, and he's like, yeah, my God protected me. And then the ones that had, had set him up, he puts them in the, the lion's den, and before they could even hit the ground, the lions tore them to shreds. Who, what God will save this way? What God has this power? What God can deliver like this? What God? Who is this God? And I'm thinking, the Magi, I have to be thinking, who is this God? Daniel, I've seen Daniel. He's told stories about Egypt. He's told about Red Seas parting. This is an amazing God. And they're astrologers. They're astrologers. They're wise. They, they, they look at the stars, and then all of a sudden, something happens. They see a star rise that they're not familiar with. And Daniel had had all of these prophecies in Babylon, and he prophesied about the coming of a king. The coming of the king of the Jews, the the one who would usher in a new kingdom of righteousness and justice and all the pain that, that people had felt. This king was going to set things right. Oh, yes, they're looking for a king. We come to this time of the year in Christmas. What are you looking for? What, what, what is it that you're looking for? The Magi saw this star, this planet. We don't know. I just believe it was the finger of God that lit up in the sky. And, and, he, and, and God was saying, let's just follow me. And they, and, and they believed enough. Their hope was in the testimony of Daniel. Their hope was in the words that he had spoken. Their hope was in this deliverance that they were believing for, that they, they had so much. They said, you know what? If this is the real thing, we have to at least go and see. We have to at least go and see him. We've got to pay homage to him. He's worthy of it. You know, that's where worship comes from the word worship in the English it comes from worth worship in other words what 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 is what is worthy of your time what is worthy of your thought life and attention what is worthy what is worthy of your effort what is worthy of your treasure 600 miles is a lot of effort 
watching a star, a light in the sky move, takes attention, precision. They were, they were watching, they were looking. These wise men, these magi, these, this is hundreds of years after Daniel, but they're still looking. After hundreds of years, they're still looking. When Herod heard this about the Magi, and they come into Jerusalem, they say, we saw this star. We've come to worship the king of the Jews. And who do they come to? They come to the king of the Jews. Yeah, Herod is the king. And, and, but, but he knows that he's not really the king because he's been set in place by Rome. He's just a figurehead. He's just there to keep the peace. But he's got a good gig going on. Like, it's good stuff, right? You know, his pocket is full, right? His belly is full. He's got a good thing going on. So this new king that they're coming to look for, this guy's going to mess everything up. He's, he's, he's just, he's not, this is not good for Herod. And so Herod wants to know, where is this guy supposed to be? born. And so he asked the chief priests and teachers of the law, and they come and they say, oh yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem in, in, in Judea. You know, not the one in Galilee, but the one down in Judah. And he's going to be a king and he'll shepherd the people. Oh my gosh. These men have come 600 miles. They're not Jews. They come to worship the king of the Jews. Herod is so disturbed, he's ready to kill the baby Jesus. And the chief priests and teachers of the law are apathetic. There, it's like you can see three pictures of worship here, right? The magi are seeking to worship Jesus. They don't know him, but they know a little bit about him. Enough to say he's worthy of my time. He's worthy of my effort. He's worthy of my attention. He's worthy of my treasure. But, but then you have Herod who says, I'm so attached to my power. I'm so attached to my status. I'm so attached to the good life. He's worthy for me to kill. I wonder if we get so attached and so comfortable sometimes with the good that we, we get a little bit scared about worshiping Jesus. Can, I, can, we, can we just talk a little bit about this? Because when you worship, when you start to worship Jesus, you're saying, well, Jesus, you're a king, and I'm submitting myself to you and your kingdom. And you have to think, kind of like Herod, I mean, I think we all do this at some point. Let's just talk about it. What am I giving up? What, 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 exactly, what exactly do I lose if I worship Jesus? What, what exactly am I giving up if I worship him? What, how are you going to change my life, Jesus? Like, what are you going to do? What exactly are you going to do if, if, if I give you all this worship, if I surrender my life to you, what are you going to do with it? And the, and the question is, the question is, what do you have to lose? 
And I, I could tell you a little bit about what, what you have to lose. You have, you have the pain of your past to lose. Because 2 Corinthians 5 says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So you do stand to lose something. You get to lose the pain of your past. You get to lose the suffering that you felt from your past. You get to, you get to trade that for new life in Christ. Yeah, you do lose something. You lose some worry. You lose some anxiety because he, passes, he, he promises peace that passes all understanding. So, yeah, you, you do stand to lose something. You do stand to lose something. But what about my freedom? I, I, I'm free to do whatever I want. But, but, but John 8, 36 says, 36 says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So, oh, oh yeah, you do lose something. You do lose something, but do you want it? Do you want to keep all that stuff, the junk? Listen, it's just us talking for a little bit, right? We're just talking. We come to Christmas, folks, and, and I, I believe that there is, a, there is an, uh, an apprehension sometimes to the season because of the pain sometimes it, dream, it brings up. Like, like some of the stuff that you remember around this time. People that aren't with you this Christmas that were with you last Christmas. And, and you kind of start to wonder, you're like, is it really worth it? And then sometimes it's just we get so full off of the season, right? There's so much going on. We got the, the presents that we're buying. We're, we're creating an atmosphere of Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, right? And we, we create this atmosphere, this Christmassy atmosphere. And guess what? Look, Pastor Doug said, December 26, 27th, some of y'all are already, the tree's already down. Came down the, the night of the 25th, the tree came down. Right? And, 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 all, of, and all, of that, all of that atmosphere, you know, all the cookies, you ate all the Christmas cookies. They're all gone. Right? Family, family is on their way home, some of them. Some of them may be still staying around. And that atmosphere... Did it fill you? Like, was that substantial? I'm just, I'm just wondering. It's like the, the stuff that we bring into this season, we come with a lot of empty. And where do we get filled? The wise men were looking for a king because there was something that they needed, that he had. They weren't apathetic like the chief priests that said, yeah, he's over there somewhere. Maybe, maybe the chief priests had been waiting so long for the Messiah, maybe they just didn't think Messiah would ever come. They never left Jerusalem. 
five miles versus 600. What are you looking for this Christmas? Is it worth search? Is he worth searching for? Is he worth giving your attention? Will we pause? Will we worship? There's hope in in this passage. A lot of hope. We look at verse 10. When they saw the star. When they saw the star. They were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. When they saw the star. Why were they overjoyed? He's here. He's here. And then as they went on their journey, the star went before them until it stopped right at the house. Boom. And they saw Mary with the child. And all of that hope that they had carried. turned into one thing, worship. It says that they bowed down. But the word really is more like they threw themselves down. And they began to worship. Those two words, they go together. When we talk, when you see worship in the Bible, they're almost always together, bow down and worship. Why? Can't I just worship without bowing? Can't I just, can't I just worship without, without doing all of the, the throwing myself down? Here's what Paul says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The gift that's fit for a king is all of me. Now, let me explain. Let me explain. That means everything. That I'm not just talking about the good part of you, the good part. Jesus wants all of you. He wants the messy stuff. He wants the skeletons that are in the closet. He wants the stuff that you won't tell anybody. Why? Because it is holy and pleasing unto God. How is my pain? How is my past? How is what I've been through? How is all my junk holy? Well, that's not holy. It's, it's not holy. How is that holy and how does that please you? Because you let it go. You let it go. And you give it to him. 
And when he receives that, he gives you all of his stuff. It's the great exchange. God, you get to have my junk, and I get to have your goodness. You get to have my pain, and I get to have your power. Who's getting the bad end of the deal? <laughs> it would seem like it's God, but this is one thing that God does. He takes everything and he works it around and he makes it good. Darkness, this word says, darkness is even light to him. So even the darkness of your past is as light to God. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even reckon it as darkness. He says, give it to me. I'll turn it to light. All of you. All of you. All of me. I'm going to close. My mom taught me something about worship. I've never forgotten it. She had a, a disease that attacked her lungs and because of that disease, it created COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. That's big words for she couldn't breathe well. And we went to a chiropractor because we were experimenting with different methods to kind of help her to breathe easier. So we were just coming back from a chiropractor. Wherever she went, she had to take these little oxygen tanks, B tanks, right? So we would have to take three, four, five, six of them sometimes, depending on how long we would be out because she needed the oxygen. We're just getting home. We're on the last tank. She needs to get inside the house and get hooked up to an oxygen concentrator that takes oxygen outside of the air and concentrates it so that she could breathe without the tank at home. We get into the garage, and she's having a panic attack because she can't breathe. I'm thinking about what is around me, like King Herod. I'm thinking about, well, all right, I just need to get some tanks because that's what I need. You know, this is what's going to help me. This is what's going to make it work for her. So I'm like, Mom, just chill. I'm going to run inside. I'm going to grab a tank. I'll be right back. She grabs my arm, and I'm like, you need to let go. And she's still speaking, and she's... She's thinking, she's, she's breathing, and her breathing is labored, and she starts worshiping God. And I'm like, Mom, maybe a little bit later, let me get the tank and come back. But she won't stop. She, Jesus, thank you. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? And she keeps on uttering out these praises. Thank you. Oh, God. Help. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And she keeps on breathing. And then, thank you, Lord. And then she's breathing. And I'm like, what just happened? She had a hope in God and had had experiences with him. 
she had a testimony in, her, in the word of God where she had lived out of. She didn't just live in the word. She lived from the word. She acted on what she believed. She would have been one that had traveled 600 miles just to see him. And what she taught me in that moment was that if I have only one breath left, he's worthy of that breath. If I don't have anything else to give, he's worthy of the little bit that I have. Is he worth it? Is he worthy that we worship him this season? Jesus didn't come just for the Magi to find him. And Jesus didn't come just for you to find him. Jesus came to find you. Jesus came for you. That's why we worship, because he came for us. That baby was there because he was finding the Magi. That baby was there because he would find his mother and his, and his earthly father. That baby was there because he wanted to find many in Jerusalem and Bethlehem. He wanted to find. He came to seek and save the lost. We don't just look for him. He's looking for us. And there's somebody here. The worship team can come up. There's somebody here, probably, that has been thinking, I'm looking for Jesus. Maybe one day I'll get it right. No, 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 baby. He's looking for you. And today is your day. I don't know who it is might be in here. Today is your day where he wants to take all of the junk, all of you, everything, throw it down, worship, and receive what he has for you, the peace he has for you, the power he has for you, the new life that he has for you. So I don't know who that is. It might be your first time. You're saying, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want... I don't know if I want this. I don't, what do I do? Listen, why don't we do this? Let's just have every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you want a relationship with Jesus, the one who parts Red Seas, the one who heals blind and deaf and raises dead, to life. If you want Jesus, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come up here. I want you to come. You never received Jesus before. I want you to come. If you're giving your life back to Jesus, I want you to come. 
If this is your day of saying, I'm surrendering all over again, I want you to come here. Come to this altar. Lay it down. Throw yourself down. Lay it down. Lay it down. Is there another? Would you stand? Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.